0: Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. I'm so excited for where we're going the rest of this morning. Um, There's a friend who I've had... Uh, I mean, I've known her since we went to North Central uh, University back then, Bible College. Uh, That was a few years ago, Shannon. Yeah, but this is a woman who has loved Jesus and has lived out her faith in such a real way. Uh, We've been on a mission trip together. We've served together. She's been such a core part of our church family. And uh, a couple months ago, we sat down and talked, and she said, God's put a message on my heart. And as she shared it with me, it just woke something up inside of me. And I said, would you be willing to share that with the church? And she was excited about it. And if you know Shannon, that's surprising because she doesn't search for the spotlight. But she is obeying God. We got to hear the message on Thursday, and uh, it moved me to tears. I'm not trying to hype you up too much, Shannon. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is moving through you. So let's welcome Shannon Petrowski as she comes this morning.
1: No pressure, right? <laughs> On August 21st, 2004, Chad and I got married. I was 31 years old. I thought that day was never going to come. And the day that I became a wife, I also became a bonus mom to Malia and Mason. Malia was five years old at the time, and it is now 24. Mason was four years old and now is 23. So as you see up here, they were our ring bearer and flower girl for our wedding. And Malia's, um, in the other picture, this was taken in October. Malia's in the green dress. Mason's in the black suit. Mason's wife is in the blue dress. That's Courtney. And then um, Malia's boyfriend, AJ. The next slide is our grandson. His name is Bentley Michael, and he is four years old. And although I love being a a bonus mom to Malia and Mason, we knew when we got married that our family was not complete. We didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but I had had this dream That I wanted to have, that I knew I wanted to have five children and be a stay at home mom. So, like I said, we didn't know exactly how we were going to go from two to five, but um, we didn't know if we would have our own children naturally, if we would do international adoption or domestically. We even took a trip to Guatemala. To see if we could partner with orphanages there, but what we learned was that Proverbs sixteen nine says, "A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps." So number one, our point number one is wanted. So fast forward, fast forward from two. 12 years, from 2004 to 2016, Chad and I became licensed foster care parents. And within three months, we had our first placement of Javon and Jalea. Javon was three years old, and Jalea was 22 months old. And they were placed in our home. And to our surprise, in 2019, Finn was born, and he also came to live with us when he was six weeks old. So up here you can see the three, um, this was celebrated on Finn's first Christmas with us. He was three months old there. And then this other picture was taken this summer. And if we're talking about adoption, we must talk about Greta. She is our mini golden doodle. We adopted her this summer, she also was in foster care when she came home with us. She, um, we went to Chippewa Falls to get her, and she was rescued from a puppy mill. She had been in for six years. So Javon and Julia's past history, before they were placed with us, was severe neglect, alcoholism, and homelessness, and domestic abuse. Finn's history before coming to live with us was also neglect, alcoholism, and drug abuse. Finn had been exposed to meth in utero, we knew at least one time, and also for the first six weeks of his life. When, Even though we knew he had been exposed because he was in foster care system, we needed to have court or proof for court that he had been exposed. So we needed to take him to Marshfield to have testing done on him. And at that time, we did for sure find out that he had been exposed to meth. At that time, they could not tell us to what extent that would have on his little body. But since then, we have found out that he has severe medical issues and has been delayed in almost every milestone. But God, but God stepped in. The county was able to remove the children from their abusive situations. The, parental, or the biological parents terminated their parental rights and Chad and I became their adoptive parents in 2019. Three years after Javon and Jalea had come to live with us, in a little over a year after Finn had been placed in our care, so our big idea for today is: In love, God chose you and predestined you for adoption before the creation of the world. So, not all children who have have a story that ends like J, Javon and Jalea and Finn who have been living in abusive situations and were able to be rescued and be adopted. And I want to take a little time right now to speak directly to those of you who might be in this room who had to suffer in the abusive situation in your family. And you might be saying, well, what about me? Why wasn't I rescued? And Chad and I have had so many people that have come up to us in the last couple of years and say, if only I had had someone like you when I was growing up, someone who would have saved me, who could have kept kept me safe. And if you are here today and you're saying, well, where was God for me? What about me? I want to share this story from the Bible with you. And it's found in John 11, and specifically John 11.35, where it says, Jesus wept. So I'm going to paraphrase the story for you. So Jesus was out ministering when he receives word from his very good friends, Martha and Mary, that their brother, who was also a friend of Jesus, was very ill. Jesus decides at this time that he's going to stay ministering. So when the time comes for him, when he goes back to Bethany, where Martha and Mary and Lazarus are, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days already. And first Martha comes out and meets Jesus. And she says, Lord, if only you had been here my brother would not have died. Martha goes back to the house and says, Jesus wants to talk to you. So Mary comes out and Mary falls at Jesus' feet. And she says something very similar to what Martha had said Lord, if you, if only you had been here. Now you got to kind of feel sorry for Jesus at this point. Or not feel, sorry. you got to feel for Jesus at this point. Jesus knew the end result. He knew he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He obviously sees the bigger picture, and yet he weeps. Why would Jesus weep? Well, let's continue and find out. So next, Jesus goes out to the tomb, and he asks them, to take away the stone. Now Martha, being the logical one, she's like, "Um, Jesus, the stench, it's been four days since he's been in the tomb. And Jesus, paraphrasing here, says, Martha, I got you. I got your back. You're going to thank me later. So Jesus says one more time, take away the stone. And he calls out, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out of the tomb. The man who was dead was now alive. So let's go back to why would Jesus weep? He knew in a matter of moments that tears of sorrow would be tears of joy. If Jesus was not overcome by grief over the loss of his friend, then why would he weep? He wept because this world is full of pain and devastation and loss, depression, and abuse. He wept because knowing the end of the story doesn't mean you can't cry at the sad parts. He wept because he cares about what we are going through on a deep and empathetic level. He cares about us and is moved by what we are going through. And as you were going through your pain, and suffering and abuse, and we're crying out for help and wanting it to all end, Jesus was weeping with you. Jesus entered into your mess and your pain. He didn't excuse it. He experienced it with you. He sat with you in the pain. He wept with you, and he allowed you to cling to him. He wept with you. And I know saying I'm sorry means very little. And even though I don't know the answers to your questions of why, I do know Jesus was there for you in the midst of your pain. And he's with you today, and he loves you very much. And after service, if any of you would like to come up to pray or to talk, I will be up here in front along with our prayer team to pray with you. But let's just take some time right now to pray and then ready ourselves for what else God has for us this morning. God, I thank you that you don't leave us alone that you know everything about us and you are with us in the midst of it all. Thank you for your love. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So our point number one was wanted. Our point number two is chosen. So you might be saying, well that's all good and well that you're talking about adoption, but that doesn't pertain to me. Well, let's just wait and see. Let's see what Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says about adoption. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, Through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. It is one thing for the Father to forgive sinners, it is entirely another to adopt them into his family. Yet that's what the Bible teaches. We are not merely forgiven, we are graciously invited into God's family as his children. Adoption. Is in God's mind was not Plan B. He predestined us for adoption before the creation of the world. Plan A was not to have lots of children who never sinned and didn't need redemption. Plan A was creation, fall, redemption, adoption so that the full range of God's glory and mercy and grace could be known by his adopted children. Adoption was not second best. It was planned from the beginning. And just like when I mentioned at the start of my message, we knew our family was not complete the day we got married, And even though we didn't know exactly how my dream of having five children would come to be, God knew. Because at the age of 46, yes, 46, not quite like Sarah and Abraham, but I became a mom of five children and a stay-at-home mom. Adoption of Javon and Jaleah and Finn <clears throat> had always been God's plan for our family. Remember, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So let's see what Romans 8 15 through 17 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, or Papa. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So because of Jesus, we are no longer slaves of sin, but we have received adoption as sons and daughters. I'm sorry. We have received adoption as sons and heirs. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking, hang on a minute, what do you mean sons of God? Wouldn't it be better if he says sons and daughters? Well, it would, but it misses the whole point. So Paul, who wrote Romans, lived in a very traditional culture. And he was living in a place where daughters were second-class citizens. So when, so he was saying that there, okay, I'm sorry, let me see. When Paul said that we are all sons in Christ, he was saying that there are no second-class citizens in God's family When you give your life to Christ and become a Christian, you receive all the benefits of a son in a traditional family, a traditional culture. We are his co-heirs. We are properly entitled to inherit everything that Jesus inherits. We are not less than because we are adopted. We are co-heirs. This is our identity. Timothy Keller, who was a pastor and an author of 31 books, who unfortunately passed away in May, wrote, To be adopted means that now God loves us as if we had done all that Jesus had done. Adoption is the heart of the gospel. God could have used any metaphor that he wanted, any metaphor to explain how he saved us or how we became part of his family. But he chose the intimate metaphor of adoption to show us that he actually chose us. Point number three is loved. What shall we say? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Romans eight thirty one through 39 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever ever be able to separate us from the God, from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So one day this past summer, Javon was having a rough day. And he just went down in his room And I could hear him while he's down there, and I can just tell he's getting more irritated and agitated, and he's getting louder. So I go down there, and I'm like, Javon, what's going on? And he looks at me with tears in his eyes, and he says, no one loves me. And it just broke my heart. And I said to Javon, Don't listen to that lie. You're wanted. Daddy and I wanted and desired more children, and God placed you in our home. You're chosen. We chose to provide for you, care for you. We're not going to leave or forget you. You're loved. And that love is not based off of ifs, If you do this, if you do that. Our love knows no boundaries despite behaviors or actions. We don't love you less. And you are adopted. We pursued you and adopted you because of that love. And just as I told Javon that I love him and he is our son, God says the same about you. He willingly chose us to be his children because he loves us. You might not believe that God loves you, chose you, or love you because maybe you've been told all your life and you believed you're unlovable, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're not talented enough. But I'm here to tell you God loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. He calls you by name. He chooses you because he loves you. He loves you. And when we adopted when we adopted the kids, we had to go to court. We received all this paperwork. And inside the paperwork was this line that said something very similar to this. The rights of all persons, if any they have, to the care, control, and custody of said child be in the same and hereby forever are finally terminated. Okay, if you're not a lawyer, that means when Javon, Jalea, and Finn were adopted by Chad and I, their old identity was terminated. Legally speaking, anyway, they became a new and different person. They they became Javon Beckett Petrowski, Jalea Hope Petrowski, and Griffin Knox, Petrowski, orphan. And just like when we are saved, we are also adopted by God. We leave behind our old self and are reborn with a new identity, a clean slate and a fresh start. We are now a child of God. So this means... When we adopted, Javon and and Finn, their past neglect was wiped out. Javon and Jalea's past homelessness, wiped out. Their past willingness, or I'm sorry, their past witness to domestic abuse, clean slate. Finn's past exposure to math wiped out, and Javon and Jalea and Finn's fear of continued abuse was terminated. And when we become a child of God, adopted by our loving Father, our past is wiped out too. Forgiveness of all the things in our life that's brought separation between us and God was wiped out. Amen. In summary, I want to end with a quote by J.I. Packer, who was an evangelical theologian and author. We are not fit for a place in God's family. The idea of the loving and exalting us Sinners, as he loves and has exalted the Lord Jesus, sounds ludicrous and wild. Yet that, and nothing less than that, is what our adoption means. Let me repeat that one more time. We are not fit for a place in God's family The idea of his loving and exalting us sinners as he loves and has exalted the Lord Jesus sounds ludicrous and wild, yet that and nothing less than that is what our adoption means. In closing... I have talked about being a child of God, being adopted into his family, and knowing and receiving his unconditional love. But I'm wondering if there's anyone here who has not known that love and have not yet become adopted by God and become his child. In Romans 10, 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So in Romans 10, 9, it says, If we confess Jesus as Lord and believe that in our hearts that Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in Ephesians, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved. It's nothing that we have done. We could never measure up or do anything to receive God's forgiveness and sin. It is a free gift from God so that we cannot boast. It's not about us. And if you would like to become a child of God today, I'm going to say a prayer and would ask that you would say these words in your heart along with me so if we can pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord. I thank you that you want us. You desired us. You have predestined us to be a child of God. And I ask that you will just forgive us of our sins. Help us to be loving and knowing you. And God, I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you that you are Lord of our life. And ask that you come and just be a part of our life now. And I also just want to pray for the rest of us here today. God, I thank you that you love us and that love runs so, so deep. I thank you that you have never left us, you have never forsaken us, you have called us by name. Help us to live in that victory. Help us to live in that freedom. When you ask all these things in your name, amen.
0: What a powerful and gentle reminder of the truth that God chose us, that he wants us, and that he loves us. If today you opened your heart to Jesus, as Shannon prayed those words, that you let them resound in your heart and you opened your heart to say yes to his desire to adopt you, we want to come alongside of you as family. We want to walk with you in the process of What does it look like to live in the household of God? What does it look like to be part of his family? How do we know Jesus more? How do we relate to him better? And there's an easy way for you to let us know you made that decision on the connection card there. Halfway down it says accepted Jesus as my Savior. If you made that decision today, just check that and drop this in the offering as it comes by. And we're going to get a hold of you. I'll write you a letter. We'll send you some resources, but I would love to help you take that next step uh, on that journey of adoption. The other thing I want to mention, too, is as Shannon shared the story of her and Chad moving forward into foster care and adoption, maybe something was burning in your heart, and you're not sure exactly what that means, but you're feeling something about foster care or adoption. If that's you, I just want you to write on a connection card, Adoption. And we will get a hold of you. We want to help you. There's a number of different ministries you can be a part of, uh, from very simple to all the way through to adoption that we'd love to connect you with and help you know what you could do to take that next step as a foster parent or adoptive parent. We have a number of foster parents and adoptive parents that are a part of our congregation, and we'd love to help you in that journey. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.